Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. We think about being anxious for nothing. That's our theme. That's our series we're in. Uh, Philippians 4 is where we're going to be. If you brought your Bible, your Bible app, or if you don't own a Bible, take one. There's one in the chair in front of you. If you're collecting Bibles from church to church, please do not take the one that's in front of you. But we said last week in your notes, if you want to get them out and write this down, that the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. It's up to us. It's up to us to, to trust in God. It's up to us to, to, to either trust in ourselves or trust in others. But if we put our focus on God and we believe in him, we can do like what Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Why? Because that will give us hope. Now, you can go to uh, your favorite market or your favorite uh, shop and pick up some Hallmark cards and try to give some hope to somebody in a card. But the hope that we need is not a Hallmark hope. It's not even a Hallmark movie hope. It's not uh, the headlines or the deadlines or the red lines, if you have a car, you understand about red line, it's too much RPM. Or even the waistline. Boy, all lines, huh? Yeah. Or the bottom line. But our hope is found in the fact that God is sovereign. And I've been using the book um, by Max Lucado, Anxious for Nothing, so I want to give him credit uh, as a framework of this series. And though I, I'm not teaching verbatim out of this book or using all his biblical illustrations, it's really helped me a lot. And in this book, he even says, could God be so naive? Could God be so naive to tell us through the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Could he be so naive to tell us to be anxious for nothing? Doesn't he understand what 2018, almost 2019 is like? Doesn't he understand the economy? Doesn't he understand the state of our world? And I think exactly, God understands it all and is timeless in this statement that we are to be anxious for nothing. Now, I want to give you some background and some sermon, and at the end, you'll notice there's some circles. We're going to give you an assignment. We'll do part of it here. You can take it home with you. So you're going to get a sermon and a sermon R at the end. We're going to do both, put them together. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say, come on, Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. It's hard to rejoice if all you're looking at is what's happening in your life. It's hard to rejoice if you're overwhelmed. If you're in school and you're over, overwhelmed with just a download of information. If you're, if you're uh, serving in our military and you've got an assignment you didn't really want or like, it can be overwhelming. I talked to a young uh, Air Force couple recently. Um, they have two very small children and they have been transported and transplanted to Vandenberg Air Force Base. And we'll all say, yay, they're on the Central Coast. Well, their entire support system and family lives in Florida. So guess where the babysitters are? In Florida. So if mama needs a break, she has to find somebody else in the Air Force who might be able to watch her kids so she can at least get her nails done or her hair done in quiet and peace. Uh, if, if dad wants to take mama out, they need to find a babysitter, because when you live near your family, you have a support system. They, their support system is the other side of the country. That could cause you to be anxious, couldn't it? Yeah. 
Well, in Philippians 4, 6 to 8, we're going to read from the New Living Translation together, and you're going to read with your best 1124 sermon, seminar voice. Okay, here we go. Be anxious for nothing. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. There's your prescription for being anxious for nothing. How you think. We talked about that last week. How you focus your life. How you trust. And we used this word last week. It's actually the word that's on our table here in front of the piano. The word calm. And calm stands for celebrate God's goodness. Ask God for help. Leave our concerns with God. And meditate on good things. That's the outline of Philippians chapter 4. So by the way, if you're ever taught to teach a Bible study or asked to give a devotion, you could just say, well, let me give you four points that emerge from Philippians 4. I'm giving you stuff for the future here, right? Or if you want to bring your family around at Christmas time, <clears throat> let's bring out the Bible, Philippians 4. You could read it and say, here's four points. Celebrate God's goodness, ask God for help, leave our concerns with God, and meditate on good things. And I think when Max Lucado says, live in the calm, I think that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is after for our lives. We celebrate God's goodness, and that's what I want to talk about today and unpack just a little bit about the sovereignty of God. You see, celebrating God's sovereignty is hardest to do during the days and season when we need it the most. It's hard when times are dark or when it's difficult. We've lost a loved one. We've lost a friend. When, when someone's unfriended us on Facebook or they blocked us from... I texted somebody the other day and said, I was blocked. What did I do to deserve such a you know, state of life? I was blocked. You've been blocked. Said, Great. God bless you. And uh, yeah, I thought they loved me, but now they blocked me. So, okay. Well, hope that is built on God's sovereignty is not just available on good days. It's available all days, even the darkest days when we need it the most. Many of you know the prophet Isaiah. What a great prophet. He's the one that prophesied, behold, a virgin shall conceive, and we will call him Emmanuel, God with us. How amazing that hundreds of years before Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, that Isaiah would prophesy about him verbatim what would happen. Every T was crossed and every die was audited. But here was a time in his life. It was 8th century B.C., and King Uzziah has died. Now, what does that matter? Well, it matters because for 52 years, there was peace in the land. For 52 years, the economy was up and to the right. For 52 years, everything was going well. And now King Uzziah had died. And Isaiah and the people like him had mourned the passing of the king at this massive funeral but they were also mourning the thought of tomorrow. Who will lead us? What will happen? What will become of us? 
And in that process, he begins to recognize who God is. And I love what Isaiah chapter 6 says. I want to draw your attention to the screen. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, what are the next four words? I saw the Lord. Hmm. In the year when we wondered what tomorrow would bring. In the year when we were anxious for everything. I saw the Lord. Philippians 4, Paul says, the Lord is near. I believe there's something very, very intentional about how God speaks of himself. I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He talks about himself being an omnipresent God, an ever-present God. Uh, Psalm 46 says, I, I am your refuge and your strength, a very present help in time of trouble. I am with you. You're not on your own. You don't hold your own hand. I hold your hand. You don't pray and your prayers fall on deaf ears. I'm listening. I, I bend down to hear what you have to say. Uzziah is gone. But here's what Isaiah sees. I see the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And some of you old timers are going, I know a song that goes just like that. And above him there were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. With two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, 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 holy. I mean, it's like the ultimate Dolby surround sound. With subwoofers everywhere moving the heavens. The place is shaking, the Bible says. And the whole earth is full of his glory. And the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen. The word glory means his manifest presence. Not some smoke and mirrors. Not some kind of special effects or a haze machine. This is God's glory. The whole earth is full of his manifest presence. If you look for the presence of God, you'll find out he's everywhere. But if you look for his absence, you'll find that you can't find him. Look at tragedy, you look at economy, you look at difficulties, you can say, where's God in all this? Fires to the north, fires to the south. Terrorist acts, shootings. You could say, where's God in all this? But boy, when you look at how God transforms a life, you see his presence. How God brings friendships together. How God brings people together to get married. <laughs> the birth of a child. Man. I met a guy who was an atheist till he watched his son being born. Never forget his story. He said, I was in there. We were doing hee-hee-ha-ha-ho breathing. I had a teddy bear, look, honey, get that stupid blank blank away from me, you know. And then he saw the face of his son. And the miracle of birth, the presence of God was seen and revealed, changed the man's life and his eternity. If you look for his absence, there's no God. But if you look for his presence, he is everywhere. The Lord is near. The Lord is with us. I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. Now, what does that have to do with anything? It has to do with everything. See, God calmed Isaiah's fears not by removing the problem. Who will lead us tomorrow? 
but by revealing a wider perspective to him that God reassured Isaiah that while Israel's throne was vacant, God's throne was occupied. Somebody needs that. If I was a preacher, boy, if I, you know, if I was a real preacher, I'd be rocking that right there. I'd be dropping the mic when I'm done. You know, come on. But God said, showed Isaiah, Lord Isaiah, don't worry about the throne. Don't worry about it. I'm on the throne. And the kind of God I am, Isaiah, I'm showing you a picture of that. All the angels worship me. They even cover their eyes because they see how holy I am. You know, this morning, we didn't begin the worship service. When Jeff said, let's stand, some of you go, oh, gee, you got to stand. You know? No, no, that was last, last service. But when, when we started our worship, we didn't start it. We just joined in. It's already going on. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. So uh, one of the angels said, you didn't hear them, but they were talking this morning. When they said, hey, LFC, Lompoc's coming online. <sighs> Great are you, Lord. Hey, Zimbabwe, they're coming online. You know? Hey, Moscow's coming online. Different style of worship, but coming online. Hey, LA's coming online. Different time zones are just joining in the eternal song that's going on around the throne. God reassured Isaiah, can I say this? God reassured, you put your name in there. That while some places are vacant, while some places don't have the leadership you need or some places don't have the answers you need, God's throne is still occupied. It would be later that Isaiah would write these words in chapter 26, 3 and 4. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always for the Lord God is the eternal rock. He's not the sometimes rock. He didn't just show up and become the rock when there's a crisis. He's the all-the-time rock. That's why we can lean on him and put our trust in him. So now, here we go. This is the sermon, and then we're going to go to the seminar. I promise you'll get both. Number one, you've got to get this down. There is a throne, and I'm not on it. No, not I. No, you read it this way. Read it. Go ahead. There is a throne, you read it. And I, yeah, I, I, you, because I, I must put you're not on it, and then you could go, yeah, that's right, you're not on it. Yeah, Bernie, you're not on it. No, there is a throne, you're not on it. Oh, that's so freeing to me. That's so freeing to me. Because some of us in this room are real doers. We're problem solvers, we're fixers, we want to do stuff, we want to, excuse me, we want to control life. Isn't it funny we live in a world where we have iPhones, iPads, iTunes, i? They didn't call it us phone. People phone. You know? At least there's YouTube. But most of it's i. By the way, that's very strategic. This is, this is mine. It's very possessive, you know? Back in the uh, 70s, we had uh, Life magazine. Then... Time magazine, then us magazine, people magazine, then me, self magazine. It was a whole string of different titles and how it's become more about me, myself, and, and, and I. You're not on the throne. Charles Schwab Investments has a line. Their motto is, own my tomorrow. 
Now, if your investments could return a million percent, you'd be happy. But you still wouldn't own your tomorrow. Because Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, said it this way, Who of you, by worrying, Luke chapter 12, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So, so when your day comes and your heart stops beating, you're going to be at 139, you'll have a full life. You can't pull out a card that says, one more hour. You, you don't have that card. And Jesus says, you can't even add an hour. He didn't say a day. He didn't even say a minute. He says, you can't even add an hour to your life. Why do you worry about the rest? You know why you're here today? Because God gave you the gift of this day. You know why your heart's beating? You, you thought it's because you eat healthy. It's because God determines to let your heart beat. You know why you're breathing right now? Because you're all that. Because God's letting you breathe. God's arranged the atmosphere where we can actually have oxygen to breathe. It's just amazing. And if I get tomorrow, it's because the one on the throne has given it to me. Now, maybe your vision isn't of you on the throne, but maybe it's something else. You, you can fill in the blank. I'm counting on this for my future. I'm counting on that for my future. I'm counting on... And the people in King Uzziah's day were saying, we don't have anything to count on. We don't know what tomorrow will bring at all. I'll tell you what freedom is. Freedom is when you know you're not on the throne and you're free from being responsible for running the world. Oh, hallelujah. Let me just stop for a moment. That's freedom. Some of you are... Commanders, some of you are leaders, some of you are principals, some of you are business owners, some, some of you are pastors, some of you have households to run, some of you are the CFO, CEO, COO of your household, you know, you're the domestic engineer of breakfast, lunch, dinner, and the budget, come on. And I was so glad when I saw the worship list this week that Jeff had picked out uh, four great songs, but two just really knocked out of the park for me. How great is our God. The splendor of a king, clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4. And then, great are you, Lord. It's the breath that you give us. We're going to pour out your praise because you're God and we're not. I don't know, maybe... Somebody needs to hear that today. As Isaiah saw this worship going on, he recognized the enormity of God, the worthiness of God, the glory of God. God's sovereignty means that he has complete knowledge and complete power, and there's nothing too difficult for him. Just ask Mary, who was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and told you're going to have a child and here's what Mary said. I'm going to paraphrase. Be it done unto me according to your word. But, but here, here, let me paraphrase. God, I trust you. I trust your sovereignty. Whatever you say, that's what I want. Whatever you're doing, that's what I want to be a part of. This teenage girl trying to comprehend a virgin birth. Come on. And she was the one who brought forth the Christ child 
would be the savior of the world simply because she said, paraphrasing, your God, I'm not. Your plans are greater than mine. See, God being on the throne means that he has not only the knowledge of what is the best possible plan, but God has the power to bring about the best possible plan. If God said, look, I've got a plan for your life, amen, big deal. I have a plan, but I also have the power. I can do things. With man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When God promises to do something, there's no question that he will do it, that it will be done. No question. Okay, number two. God has sovereignly chosen to give me and you free will and responsibility within his plan. I put both of those down because you have free will and you're responsible for what you do. you got to own your stuff. Good morning. Yeah, but I want to blame my third grade teacher. I'm sorry. She's not here and she doesn't matter right now. You own your stuff. Yeah, but it's my friend. No, you own your stuff. My mother was... I. Yeah, I know she was, but own your stuff. Own your stuff. You're responsible. There's some days I wish God would not give us a free will. It's when we make stupid decisions. Anybody else? I wish God today I was pre-programmed to do everything that I need to do and make all the decisions I need to do make and have all the right attitudes today. Whew, it'd be so nice. Some of you have made some mistakes in your life. Some of you aren't old enough yet. Come back and see me when you have more pain. We'll talk about it. We make mistakes. But we're responsible for the mistakes that we make. We're responsible. God gives us this incredibly, incredible gift of free choice, but you're responsible for what you're responsible for. Let me add that to you. And I'll jump ahead and I'll come right back. As we finish today, we're going to talk about responsibility and, and what, we're, what we're supposed to be concerned about and not concerned about. You are responsible for what you're responsible for. If you're a husband, you're responsible for your wife. You've got to take care of her. You're the priest, protector, and provider. If you're a wife, you've got to take care of your husband. You've got to be his cheerleader. Yay, yay, there you go, Joe. You're awesome. Yeah. By the way... By the way, ladies, guys need lots of that. It's not a marriage seminar, but let me just tell you, all we are are big boys. We just, that's all we are. We're fourth graders in big packages, and we, need, and we need lots of affirmation. Oh, you're so awesome. We need lots of that. I'll just tell you that. Ladies need affirmation. They need love, but they don't need cheering like as much cheering as guys do. Ladies, I'm just telling you. We are insecure, and we need all your help that you can give us. Okay, moving on. <laughs> With free will comes responsibility. So whatever you're responsible for, you're responsible at work, you're responsible in the military, whatever you're responsible for, be responsible. But you're not responsible for what you're not responsible for. Oh, that's so cool. You're going, what does he say? What does he mean? You're not responsible for how everybody else Responds. We're responsible to love the world, to share, to be generous. We're responsible to tell people about Jesus. We're not responsible for how they respond. That's freedom for me. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor called to this city. Over 32 years I've been here. But I'm not responsible for the city. 
I'm responsible to be a pastor to pray for and to intercede. I went to a budget workshop yesterday at City Hall. Three hours and 45 minutes I was there. (laughs) Two hours plus I listened to the financial director give the financial report. It was like watching paint dry. (laughs) I liked the guy. No, not his fault, but PowerPoint slide after PowerPoint slide. And one thing about our city, sorry, I'm just going to say it. Let me get off my happy horse. They got a, 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 a too dimly lighted projector, and all their fonts are really, really, they're not this big. I can't even see. My, I didn't have my glasses. Now, that's my problem. I'm looking at stuff. They got these graphs up there, you know, with a four font. And anyway, now I'll move back, back to, the, to the story. I'm not responsible for the economy of our city or how the city council spends the money. I'm not. I was there, and I'm praying, God, give them wisdom. Isn't that right? That's my responsibility. My responsibility is to shop local whenever I can, to put gas in my tank here, even though it's cheaper by 15 to 20 cents in Builton. A lot of you commuters know, you go low tank, go to Builton, get your gas, get on the 101. I've learned from you. (laughs) The other day, Gas was almost 19 cents a gallon cheaper in Buellton. Somebody should do some research. But not me, not my responsibility. (laughs) Right? My responsibility is to support local business as much as I can. My responsibility is to pray for my leaders and those in authority over us. But I got to tell you something. I was looking at the budget. It don't look good for the city of Lompoc. We need a lot of prayer and help. You want to learn more? Go online. They're going to post it this week by Wednesday. I'm sure you're all going to go to it and download the four fonts. I know you are. I know you are. But isn't it good news that you're not responsible to run everything and everybody? You're responsible for what you're responsible for. Ah, we'll talk more about that later. Now, next page. Number three. Even when the odds are against me, the game is not over until God plays his hands. Play your hand. And God puts his hand on. In other words, we saw last week the story of the storm. The disciples were in the boat. And here's what they say. Lord, we're gonna die. That's their story. We're doomed. We're going down with the ship. Period. End the book. And God says, excuse me, I've got another chapter I'd like to write. Jesus wakes up, stretches, looks at the storm. He says this, paraphrase, tempest in a teapot. This is a splash in a bathtub. Peace, be still, and the storm stops. And the next chapter is written. The disciples looked out and saw There was no more storm. What they were responsible for? To trust in Jesus. And let Jesus take care of the storm. The storm was not the end of their story. If you're facing a difficulty right now, or a loss, or a crisis, that's not the end of your story. God has more for you. And Paul writes, be anxious for nothing. 
See, the Christian faith does not claim that our present world is the best of all possible worlds, but instead that it's a preparation ground to the best possible world. We're on this planet getting ready for eternity. That's why we need to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We need to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to live by the written word of God, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what we need to do. We can get upset. We can be angry at things. Don't go your way. I was reading social media last night from the city of Lompoc, and a lot of people were upset that the Delta didn't go again. One lady wrote, and I quote, do you understand how cold it is out here? (laughs) Somebody else wrote, boo. Now, I don't know a lot about rockets. I've I've been out on the base when they launched them. Um, I've had briefings by people. I've had my good friend Bill Pernod teach me some stuff that I never knew before. There's a lot of systems. There's arms and things and rockets and computers, and computers got to talk to computers, and they've got to make sure there's no anomalies. I've been out there before waiting for three and a half hours for the rocket to go one time. Hold, hold, hold. Somebody next to me goes, why don't you just let it go? Right? People are just, people are funny. I want to find that lady and say, it's not your responsibility. Because sometimes it is rocket science. Come on. (laughs) Hey, my good friend was here Friday night. He drove all the way from West Covina to see the Delta (laughs) 4. I love him. Michael Fash, he's played piano here before. He's played with Tommy Walker and and it's a great guy, great talented musician. And so he drives here and, and uh, he's getting updates, you know, on his phone, ULA, space flight now. And when he turned off of Highway 1 into the Home Depot parking lot to read his phone, it said, scrubbed. <laughs> That's a long, stinking drive from Orange County in traffic on a Friday. So Bill and I took him to dinner and he got in the car and drove home. So, (laughs) guess what? Michael wasn't responsible for the rocket. And I told him profusely, it may not go. And if it goes, we might have this thing called the marine layer. You may not see a thing. I want to come anyway. Good. Well, he came. And uh, I sent him a video of the last Delta launch to make him feel good. All right. (laughs) So Paul is writing to us. From a prison. Be anxious for nothing. He's on a short chain to a guard who has a 12-hour shift to guard Paul. And here's what Paul says, paraphrase. This guy thinks I'm his prisoner. He's mine. Hey, I used to be Saul, and I met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. Let me tell you, about the crucified Savior who rose again from the dead on the third day. And the guy's going, oh, gee, again? Yeah. Yeah. If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and, and believe that he died on the cross and rose again, you shall be saved. I'm not ready. Okay, let me tell you again. Twelve hours. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. Could you imagine what happened to those prison guards? Many of them and their households were saved. Matter of fact, Philippians 1, 12 says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, 
that what has happened to me is actually, come on, served to advance the gospel. Listen, something's going on here, but God's writing a different story somewhere else. You might be going through whatever you're going through, but God has a different story. It served to advance the gospel, and as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. In other words, now the guards are preaching. They're telling the story. Guess what? You're going to see Paul. Yeah, 12 hours of that. Oh, yeah, let me tell you what he told me yesterday. The guards are getting saved. Isn't that great? To everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. In chains, people would go, I'm hopeless. In chains, people would say, anxiety. But Paul is saying, oh, man, I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So not only are the guards changing, but people outside the palace are hearing about Jesus Christ and hearing about my faith, and they're now starting to preach, and they're getting enthused, and they're getting energized, and it's awesome. Okay, end of sermon. Now we're going to the sermon arm for the next seven minutes. You've got two circles. Everybody's got two circles? you got two circles? we got an inside circle and an outside circle. Isn't that great? Everybody say inside, inside. Outside. outside. All right, so we're done. No, 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 no. Here's what I'd like you to do. Get, get a pen and start writing down things that you're anxious about, worried about, consumed with. If it's inside your control, put it inside the circle. If it's outside your control, write it on the outside. Let me, let, me, let me tell you something. They're talking about the, the Fed raising the interest rate. That's outside of my control. That's above my pay grade. What's inside my control is how I order my finances. Um, they talked yesterday in the budget workshop that there could be a pending you know, housing bubble again, boom, blow up, and they talked about... Uh, you know, the interest rates. And so I, I learned some stuff. I wrote my notes. Just make sure we stay on budget. Make sure I give to God. That's my first part. Give. Make sure I save. Live on the rest. Give, save, live on the rest. Give, save, live on the rest. A great principle, if you don't know finances very well, you could start doing this. 10, 10, 80. 10% goes to God. 10% goes to savings. And I live on 80%. And as I grow... 10% goes to God, 20% goes to savings, and I live on the rest. And as I grow, 10% goes to God, 30% goes to savings. How are you doing? And I live on the rest. So I have a contingency fund because we don't know what tomorrow will hold. Someone told me that their company is downsizing. That's all they've been told. They don't know who's going. They don't know when they're going or what's going to happen to them. He said, what advice do you have for me? I said, don't, don't get in any more debt and start to build a contingency fund, and the next time we do Financial Peace University, take it, but if you don't want to wait, go to Dave Ramsey's stuff and learn financial peace and let it be a part of your life. He goes, well, what's going to happen to me? You're going to be on a budget, be on a strict budget. Oh, his wife said, budget? Shh, rebuke. I rebuke the budget. So why do you rebuke the budget? Because he doesn't have any idea how much I spend behind his back. I said, sweetheart, if he loses his job... He's going to know then, and you're going to be cut off, so why don't you just come clean? So outside, you can't control everything that happens. 
You can't control all the headlines or even the deadlines, but you can control your bottom line. So that's something you can do inside. Let, let, me, let me talk to you about this. Your health, okay? Um, there's a great diet. It's kale and water, and that's all you get. And um, it, it's really good. And it's one hard-boiled egg a week, so you get your protein in there, and that's all you get. Um, so, yeah, I just made it up. Sorry, it's not a real diet. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, me, let me say this. There are things you can control about your health, me, me included. But you can't control your age, and you can't control your genetics. So I would write age, genetics on the outside, health on the inside, what can you control goes on the inside. What you can't control goes on the outside. Now, why is this an important exercise? Well, it's important because a lot of people write everything down that gives them anxiety, and that they worry about, and they feel responsible for. So, so here's the phrase I want to give you. I, I think it's a good one. You do what you can do, and you entrust God to do what you can't do. You control what you can control, and you trust God to control what you can't control. Um, you know, if you're in the, the military, you can get orders to go somewhere, and for the most part, you can't control where you go. That's outside your control. You can pray, oh Lord, please, right? This is where I'd like to go, but you're not given that. If you work for a company, you can't control whether or not they're going to be there in five years. You know, back in the day, people worked at companies a long time. My dad worked for Lockheed Aircraft for 36 years and retired with a pension. Huh? Pretty cool. A lot of people don't last three years at some corporations because things happen and contracts change. And so all of that would be on the outside. On the inside is you. If you're a mom and a dad, on the inside, those kids, you're responsible for those kids and their future. When they become adults, when they get in their 20s and 30s, yeah, your inside influences, you will pray for them, you will guide them, you will send them really nice scriptures every once in a while. Not too many, right? But what they do with their life, isn't it their responsibility? Your best friend who's about to go off the cliff, and you're saying, hey, hey, you're about to go off the cliff. You're going to crash and burn. You're responsible on the inside to tell them about the dangers and perils ahead. But what they do is outside. They're responsible for their free will, just like you are. So, write down all your anxieties, and you decide what circle they go into. I would argue with some of you that you'll probably write things inside that don't belong there. Yeah. You want to talk about freedom, whom the sun sets free is free indeed? Write a lot of things outside. And what I did on my paper that's in my office, I put God, right outside, I put God over there in an arrow. God, these are yours. You're, re you're responsible for these. I'm responsible to pray for my government, those in authority over us. I pray for our president. I'm not responsible for the decisions that he and our leaders make. I can't be. It's beyond my pay grade. And they're not taking my phone calls. Hello? They're not listening to me. So I have to go, okay, I'm out. I will pray for you. 
I'll be a good citizen. I'll obey the law. I'll stop at stop signs. I'm really working hard at that. <laughs> and the rest of it, Lord, is yours. Is that, is that helpful? Yeah, good. Three people. I'm so glad I worked hard on that. <laughs> yeah. So before we finish, uh, is there anything that you, you see on your list or even in your mind, if you didn't write it down, that you just need to say, Lord, I've got to give this to you? Rejoice in the Lord always. God is near. We need to give him our lives, and we need to give him our stuff. We need to say, Lord, you be responsible for what you're responsible for. I'll be responsible for what I'm responsible for. I will do, God, what I can do, and I'll entrust you to do what I can't do. I will trust you, God, to do what only you can do. Will you empower me to do? Will you give me wisdom to do the things you've called me to do? And the rest belongs to you, God. We're responsible to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're not responsible for how our neighbor responds. Let's just keep loving. Let's just keep trusting. And let's live anxious for nothing. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.